so you just take it and you and you make sure that you keep the business alive so i took it i was pragmatic about it i did what i needed to do yeah it pissed me off yeah it wasn't what you ideally want but that kind of thing has i think probably driven me to prove people wrong ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another episode of the 30 something podcast so there was a slight hold up with this week's episode as it's more of a fun side project obviously i've got work responsibilities and life responsibilities but i don't want you to think that means that there's going to be weeks going by where i'm not providing the content here just when it comes to going and recording the people editing the podcast and creating the content for social media it takes up a bit more time than you'd probably imagine but anyway we're here thank you for bearing with it and i'm really excited about this week's guest And the reason I'm excited is for those of you that listened to the episode with Amar, his whole thing was bringing female artists to the front because they've just been ignored in the art world. And as we all know, it's not just in the art world where females struggle. So Lee is my first female entrepreneur that I got to sit down with. She's created a software product called Appointed. It's a booking system and it is a lot more interesting than the definition I've given it there. She'll give a bit more information about that. And she's just off the back of winning UK Small Business Entrepreneur of the Year at the NatWest Great British Entrepreneur Awards. She's doing really cool things. The business is going really well. And obviously being a guy, I've heard the stories of what female entrepreneurs have to deal with. Lee throws out a big fact about how much per pound female entrepreneurs get an investment and I'm not going to spoil that right now. If you're a female entrepreneur or you want to start your own thing, there's some really interesting insight into what that world's like in this episode. And if you're a guy, it's always good hearing the story of someone else and what they have to go through to give you a bit of perspective and maybe make you a bit more open-minded down the line. Before we jump in guys, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe now, it means a lot, it really helps with getting the podcast out there. If you haven't left a review and you are enjoying it and you are enjoying the episodes, please leave a review with any feedback. I always recommend following the social media page, it's on Instagram, it's at 30 something interviews, it's where all the content goes and if you're loving it, please share the podcast and your Instagram story with your thoughts and it's just great for me to engage with people from there. That's the introduction and we're just going to head straight on in. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So the way I just like to do this is we kind of run through your story, your background, how you ended up moving to Scotland, cool. your life story. Cool. Sounds good. Let's go back to childhood. Because Appointed came about you know, from a problem you were experiencing yourself. So yeah. I guess the entrepreneurial side wasn't there back then? or. Well, so it's interesting. So to go all the way back to childhood, my granddad, so I'm from Blackpool, and my granddad used to own a rock factory. So like Blackpool Rock. So it was kind of entrepreneurial. The candy? Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, that's... I kind of grew up in, kind of surrounded by 
some entrepreneurialism. My nana ran a guest house in Blackpool. And so, yeah, I knew what it was like to be running your own business and to be responsible for that. But no, I mean, Appointed came out of kind of a frustration I had whilst I was employed in a really busy job. So I was a magazine editor for a homes and interiors publication. Mm. And as kind of so we were existing in 2008 to 2010 when you know the market was really tough right in the middle of the recession right totally so that was so I took over the editor's role just at that kind of point every you know it was really it was really tough so we were homes and interiors so very luxury magazines Mm -hmm. so budgets that you were reliant on were getting cut and just even the spend on luxuries like magazines so sales were tough of the magazine and then we were very reliant on advertising spend and such like was it just the recession at the time or was publishing starting to go through the problems that have really caught up with it now as well totally and actually it was really interesting because web wasn't what it is now so there were some challenges of that early era of the internet and the internet was starting to be a challenge for Mm. them but there wasn't you know now it would be unthinkable for a magazine not to have a really great website and not to have that as a really real focus but actually I was involved in building the the website for the magazine and kind of putting that web that first web presence out there for them so yeah everything was so nascent and was changing so much so how did you end up going into the publishing world from your drama degree because you moved up to Edinburgh yeah so I moved up to Edinburgh and studied drama and theatre arts I left university graduated and got a job where I had done um, a placement as part of my degree at a new theatre called Cowgate Central which was renovating Wilkie House in Edinburgh so really kind of iconic building and we I was involved in renovating it literally from the ground up I mean it was an amazing thing to be part of like literally we'd be up at like 3am sanding floors and stuff like it was proper kind of brute force um, and really like very bootstrapped and did that and unfortunately the the company didn't make it but I had an amazing time and built some great connections and got into kind of yeah doing comedy more than theatre and so a really wonderful experience anyway unfortunately the company didn't make it and I ended up back at All Bar One where I'd worked as um, part of my like just alongside my degree did the traineeship at Mitchell's and Butler and ended up as part part of that managing the kitchen in all bar one so I um it was such a baptism of fire and it really taught me a lot about managing people and running a team and running budgets and running kind of yeah just the daily grind of that kind of operation but you knew you didn't want to stay in that world I mean, I loved it, but I wanted to do something more creative. So I really enjoyed it. And I loved like the camaraderie that you get in those kind of environments. It's funny, like quite often I really reminisce about just pulling pints and stuff. Like I just, I don't know, I feel very at home in that kind of environment. Um, Shared traumatic experience brings people together. I mean, like it is, it's funny. And it's like the late nights and the, yeah, there's just something you're kind of in the trenches with people. And and I really enjoy that. Um, So you were semi-prepared for a life in entrepreneurship. Yeah, 
totally that's it like I've always definitely been a grafter I've always had jobs living in Blackpool I grew up used to work at my nana's um, guest house when I was like 13 I'd get the bus like really early in the morning on a Sunday and go and serve breakfasts and then go and do the bedrooms and you know so I just have that in my blood I guess so all bar one all bar one then so I did that and it was amazing loved it but I just I knew I wanted to do something more creative and so applied for all sorts of different jobs and got offered the job in sales at the magazine and just worked my way up so it was just made myself kind of invaluable from a point of view of writing whatever content I could outside of hours and just being really helpful and um, the recession as much as it was really tough it created opportunities for people I I think created a role where I was probably fairly cheap resource compared Mm. to to others I guess and you were just providing tons of value yeah totally so anyway slowly but surely and then 2008 I um, took over the the editorship and it was an amazing job and it was so much fun and how long had you been there for I'd been there probably three years, three like years a good while. Like I definitely climbed through the ranks and earned my stripes. And I had an amazing editor who very much shaped me as his successor. So the editor cool. previously was an ex-Scotsman editor and he was so wonderful at kind of taking me under his wing and he just really let me creatively allowed me a lot of freedom and such like and so that was amazing when he retired I was then able to to take over the role which was wonderful and yeah so that that was fantastic had like the dream job for two years spent a lot of time traveling around Scotland getting to see the most amazing houses in Scotland right. getting to stay at wonderful hotels um, I've stayed in one of the suites in Glen Eagles and very nice yeah the Old Course Hotel and all of these like amazing, amazing places and got to hear people's stories and yeah, just absolutely loved it. But it was really, really busy and budgets were getting cut and yeah, I spent a lot of the time on the road and all of that sort of stuff. So I just had the idea that became appointed, although like very different now, but I just spent a lot of time driving to work first thing in the morning, planning that I would do, you know, like a personal to-do list of many things, but a lot of it was appointment-based. You know, it was like book a dentist appointment or like phone and book a hairdresser appointment or or I'd be like out on the road somewhere random and it'd be like oh wouldn't it be really nice to get a massage but where would I go to get a massage and again like yeah the internet wasn't what it is now sure. really so so yeah just had this personal irk of like well why can you like order a pizza but I can't book a salon appointment and whatever so so what point in the publishing career was this did you kind of sense the way the wind was going mm. Or you I just mean, got like the idea to say I was like, very wise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was prescient, honestly. Um, no, I think I think it was just really up for a challenge. I wanted. I think I definitely knew that there wasn't longevity in the status quo mm. as it was for me at that point. That's not to say, you know, and I think the publishing industry has evolved so interestingly and I think you know there's some amazing stuff going on but I think yeah I definitely got the sense of as much as anything I was ready for a new challenge I'd actually been headhunted by a publication that would be would have been really interesting and turned it down because I wanted to do my own thing so I think I just had this real like I've had this idea I just I find it interesting I want to go and do something for me and I want to put this kind of entrepreneurial itch to challenge and see see what I can do and then I was made redundant so it was fine (laughs) so I got got to to stretch my legs and I don't think I would have ever as much as I know like I turned down a really good opportunity with that mindset of I want to do this at some point 
whether I would have ever, I don't know, having, knowing now how long it takes to build a business, I don't think I would have ever gotten to that point where I handed in my notice mm-hmm. soon enough to make something happen. So I think, yeah, the fates were with me, if you believe in that sort of thing. And so I found myself with some time on my hands. <laughs> so the moment you got made redundant, was there any panic? Because you had this idea, but you were caught off guard. So. Yeah, I mean, there was loads of panic. Yeah. So I phoned my mum and I don't even really remember it. And it, it's ridiculous because it wasn't that much of a surprise. I mean, every month when we went to print, I would be like, this is going to be the last month. This is when they'll pull me in and they'll say, you know, we're going to have to stop it. And every month they didn't until I thought we'd finally gotten through it. Because 2010, things were starting to feel a bit brighter. And yeah, decided that it couldn't go on any longer. So I phoned my mum and apparently I was just kind of laughing and telling her. And she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, they're going to let me keep my company car for a week. <laughs> like, <laughs> this was like my big win. But it was like, it's okay, they're not taking my car yet. Yeah. And yeah, like it was a bolt out of the blue. I remember waking up the next morning in floods of tears and phoning my dad and being like, I just don't know what to do because the job had been my life I am a hard worker and so much of me was what I did and it was your identity yeah I guess it was tough but I was really lucky because I'd been at the magazine I'd actually got a really great little black book for want of a better word and I was able to get in touch with people and just say hey do you want any PR or marketing doing do you want some copywriting you know and it was just I guess it was hustle looking back. It was like the fairly early days of Upwork and those kind of things. So yeah. I would like just go and do writing jobs for not very much money, but just like to do stuff and sure. to just get a bit of income in and pay the mortgage. And my husband at the time worked for the council. So it wasn't horrendous, but mm-hmm. we had a mortgage to pay and we had no car and we had, you know, so all of these things that you're like, oh, wow, okay, this just got real. So where was the idea in this? Was it always in the back of your mind or because of the suddenness of being unemployed, did it mentally take a backseat? No, it was always there for sure, but there were also bills to pay. So I guess it was was definitely there, but as much as anything for a really long time, it was a cost, not a cost drive, you know, not an income driver. And yeah, I mean, Appointed was started with my overdraft, my credit card and a £10,000 loan from Business Gateway back when Business Gateway could give you loans. So <laughs> so what point did it get to that you were like, I'm starting it? You'd been doing all the little bitty jobs. I think it wasn't so, so. much a... I'm doing this. It was more of a a bit like boiling a frog kind of vibe. That like as slowly I was chipping away at it. I was doing research. I was speaking to people. I was putting money into it like bit by bit. It was almost like it was a bit of a hobby, something I was really passionate about and that I really believed in, but didn't feel in any way like it could sustain me you know at all and definitely couldn't and then over time probably over a year it was suddenly like oh my god I'm doing this then so incorporated and I'd taken out a loan and I'd done all of these things that kind of bit by bit I don't think I really recognized I think what I thought looking back is that either it would be a huge success and it would be like a so this was in the backdrop of um, the social network movie about Facebook and all you know that was that kind of era so I either thought that it would be huge and would be that kind of thing and you know it was when like Groupon was worth six billion and they were turning down that because it was always like craziness so that would be that or it would just be a project that I did and I learned a lot and you know I tried hard but 
it, it didn't make it kind of thing. So not to take away from it, but you weren't like massively invested in its success that if it didn't work out, you would have been destroyed. No, to- I mean, I think I would have been, but at the same time, I don't think... Yeah, it's a strange, but I, I honestly don't know. It yeah. Like, looking back, it just feels, it feels a little bit like looking back to the early days when my daughter was born and you're just in this haze of, like, doing stuff and making decisions and staying alive right. <laughs> as a unit. And I think that's, like, the early days of a company. For me, it was just trying to keep something alive that you knew physically shouldn't really be alive. You know the stats on how many early stage companies don't sure. ever raise money or don't ever get off like the notebook, basically. Mm. It'd be so interesting to look back. I wish I could look back. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So I'm really interested about the journey of Appointed. Even something as simple as like the creation of the name, you got the money invested. Had you already had a minimum viable product at this time? Yeah. Had you had a tech create the software? Yeah, so the name came much later, actually, than the minimum viable product of the the software. So I outsourced the development in the first instance to um, an agency here. Right, so locally. Yeah, 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 um, in Edinburgh, and two guys who have gone on, and actually the agency now is huge, and they work for Visit Scotland and various different like larger organisations, but at the time they were two guys and nobody had really ever trusted them to build anything more than a website, but they were all I could afford and I quite liked them and they were you know they were up for the challenge so we cracked on and they got started and they were full of we were all full of like naive optimism on how long it would take and how much it would cost and all of that sort of stuff and it took like 10 times as long and cost not 10 times as much to be fair they were really great and got to a point where I was working out of their office and doing freelance writing for their other clients to get them to do bits on the software so it was like proper bootstrapping to the nth degree of like okay well if I do this if I do the copy for that website that will like save you a grand so then what can you do this and fix these bugs or whatever so it was definitely I mean it, it was just necessity really I guess we got there and then in 2012 we won one of the first ever Scottish Edge Awards and that was amazing and transformational and appointed wouldn't be here without that money so um how far was the business then did you have any clients at this point or yeah but like only a few and very like early early clients so the software was only i mean it was very it was a minimum viable product Mm. you know you could do bookings you could take bookings online you could keep a customer record but that was about it really there was none of the kind of business management side of things that we have now um it was just take bookings and know when somebody's coming and know their name kind of thing but it was fine and that was actually all people needed and it is still a huge part of what we do it was it was fine um just for people listening do you want to give an idea of what appointed is i should do that shouldn't i you're right (laughs) so appointed is an online booking and business management software system we enable businesses to take bookings from their website from their facebook page from an intranet from an app really any web enabled platform um anywhere their customers are they can connect with those customers take guaranteed bookings and then we manage the impact of that booking right the way through their business and that's kind of one of our differentiators that we have a whole host of of really smart business management tools communication tools to really remove the friction of managing a face-to-face appointment and we work with a whole host of different businesses everything from salons which was kind of the the starting point and then smes right the way through to 
Fortune 500 companies, a lot of retail clients, do quite a bit in the US and yeah, just really power a whole host of different businesses to take a whole host of different appointments. And it's such a wonderful business to work in because the software is really, really flexible. So we can use it, like our clients will come to us and ask us whether we can do, and in some businesses, we do a whole host of very different bookings for them all within one business. So mm-hmm. one of our clients is is Westfield Shopping Centres and we book a whole host of different things within the shopping centre environment. And it's so lovely to see our software being used in such a kind of flexible way and, and kind of solving many problems for them. Oh, that's great. I mean... Not to show any doubt in the business, but I'm surprised that you've managed to get clients in America just because it is such a great idea. I'm amazed nobody in America tried to steal it before you got the chance to go international. I mean, there's definitely competitors and there's some amazing competitors. We are we are in a really competitive market. And I think the lovely thing about this market is it's a huge market. Anybody really, any business that you talk to in some way, shape or form, has appointments you know whether it's as simple as booking a call just removing the friction of that to and fro of oh are you free at this time oh no I'm not free you know and then by the time somebody comes back you've booked that slot and yeah at the very simplest level that's part of our market but then at the kind of far end we have much more complex booking flows and much more we're solving much more complex problems and um, one of our differentiators is we have the world's only truly multi-time zone booking platform so and that's what's enabled us to really shine in the US because obviously they have multiple time zones and so even doing domestic business in the states people can be booking across different time zones and they can be if they're traveling they you know will be in New York one day San Francisco the next day and being able to plan that ahead of time have their calendar to be bookable in in those times is a real differentiator so we have an amazing client who is headquartered right in the middle of Silicon Valley and on the very first call she was like so I'm sat here in the middle of Silicon Valley I could buy technology from anybody you know here but I'm being told that your solution is the best in the world. And I was like, Very that's great. amazing. Yeah, that is a compliment <laughs> if I've totally. ever heard it. Yeah. And they're still one of our best clients. They're an amazing company. And so, yeah, like it's about our technology differentiating rather than kind of not having any competitors. Interesting. So going back to the name Appointed, I actually don't think we got how that was created. No. It's a great name, obviously. Thank you. Yeah, so the name Appointed was just because I could get I like I like the word, so obviously it's a misspelling. We have the two Ds at the end. I love the symmetry of the word, the two Ps and the two Ds. I find it quite elegant. I importantly could get the URL and the Twitter handle and the Facebook. Yeah, and yeah. so it was one of those. And I, at the time, thought, well, if it takes off, we'll look at how much it is to buy appointed with just one D kind of thing. But actually, it's been a real differentiator for us. And it's been a, like people recognize the brand. Mm-hmm. Quite often people say, oh, you're the appointed with two d's and i'm like yeah we are <laughs> and it's, it's relevant as well it's not just some random word yeah, that well, provides exactly. a service yeah exactly it's nice it tells people what we do and it yeah it's a nice on and and actually we now rank for if you google appointed with one d the second thing that you'll get after the dictionary definition is us depending on you know 
Google's special algorithm, that sort of stuff. So yeah, so it's nice. Did you have any names before it or was there other ones? Yeah, so we had, do you know what? I was so indecisive about it and it's so funny. We It was, I think, just luck that we ended up with like a nice name in the end. Our other name that we had formerly is still our limited company name and it's Saloka. And the idea was it was when we were just focused on kind of what, became our beachhead market of, of salons and it was salon and local and right, that was the idea yeah. and then I was featured in a BBC documentary and lots of people got in touch after that to be like oh this thing you do in salons could you do it in this this and this it was like actually yeah we should be in fact no it was just before then was it just it was around that time anyway lots of people would kind of say oh could you do this in this industry and it was like yeah why not like yeah. so we can't be having such a salon based name so yeah so the, the BBC documentary yes how did that come around did you apply did they find you um so no I was in a business incubator called entrepreneurial spark and the BBC documentary was on that so it wasn't just on us so we were featured amongst a whole host of different businesses and it was amazing so they followed a few of us kind of more in depth on on our journeys at that time and they were with me like all these kind of firsts really so like the pitch for the Scottish Edge Award had a camera in my face as well as pitching for the first money ever to come into the business you well, know. so how was that because as if there's not enough pressure on starting up a business what about when a camera right. crew's following you right. well it was just surreal because you're like it just becomes that kind of weirdness of life you know you're like none of this makes sense anymore just roll with it yeah kind yeah. of so yeah it was but it was amazing and the the crew were really great the guy directing it was just just kind of became like a friend in that really I guess toxic way almost that you're just so honest about that you know you yeah. forget that like actually there's a camera there and you're you're very much like this now yeah <laughs> totally disarming yeah, you're like here, bearing yeah. yourself and talking about things but it's that it was so lovely because on the back of that lots of people have said to me that they found that really inspiring because I was quite vulnerable at points Mm -hmm. with it we had no money it was really hard I say we it was just me at that point still but it was a really tough point and you know the business could have failed so maybe I do get to look back because I should just watch it again part of me I haven't watched it again since it was aired on tv because I know it will be an emotional roller coaster when I do because I think I'll, yeah, it'll just be so interesting. People have said that they found it inspiring to see somebody go through that and be vulnerable and and kind of be honest about it, so, yeah. Well, we'll go more in depth in a wee bit, but would I be right in imagining, was it a lot of female founders? Yes, lots of female founders reached out. Do you know what? Actually, a good mix of people reached out. It was definitely the female founders that the, yeah, the vulnerability resonated with, I would say. But I mean that as a good thing because yeah. obviously ego nature yeah. of like guys and like vulnerability can sometimes be considered yeah. as weakness. But something you've focused on a lot, and this is a great segue, is into helping female find founders, promoting female founders. Your first real touch point of that would have been the follow up after the BBC documentary. Yeah. So did that was that a light bulb moment, being like there's all these people with these ideas but don't have the confidence? I mean the stats are crazy. So like it probably wasn't a light bulb moment in so much as it felt like it was something new it was what I had 
not grown up in, but like had gone through the early stages of my entrepreneurial journey, seeing, and especially in the tech side of things, just not as many women, you Mm. know, and that is just as it is. So yeah, it wasn't so much a light bulb moment because I just... I guess took it for granted and it's funny because actually so women maybe are a bit less confident and maybe can be more comfortable being vulnerable and such like but actually there's also amazingly confident women and there are also women that don't want to be vulnerable and you know so I'm always wary of being too like stereotypical with these kind of things but certainly for me as a female founder I felt really I've always just being myself because I've found it easier to Mm -hmm. be myself than trying to be something that I'm not I just have felt fairly comfortable in yeah sometimes being vulnerable or sometimes not knowing what I'm doing and kind of winging it and whatever and certainly coming through so I was involved I was lucky enough to really early in the appointed journey get involved in an organization called Girl Geeks Scotland and that's essentially exists to support women in technology businesses and that was just amazing because it made me realize quite how diverse and multifaceted that kind of sector is you know and how many women there are doing amazing things and just a super passionate and super intelligent and are just absolutely killing it in the tech industry so it's definitely not all doom and gloom but yeah there was there's definitely a difference probably between men and women and and how we run businesses and certainly a difference in how the funding so we were talking earlier about the one p in every pound that goes to to women so this was the review the rose review um by alison rose recently that that found that less than one p in every pound of venture capital in the uk goes to female-led businesses and that was quite a light bulb moment for me like that felt because i think i'd probably naively thought it had gotten a lot better because there are so many amazing women out there doing amazing things and they're super smart and they're killing it so you just you know that the playing field isn't necessarily equal mm-hmm. but you don't realize that it's less than one p in every pound it's like that's crazy so yeah i'm sure it's not as simple as this but is it because there's less female-led companies or that's kind of part of it but then there's also just there's a certain bias against yeah. women founders it's so hard and i i guess i have opinions on some of it so there's definitely fewer female founders for sure but that in itself how much is that cause and effect women can't get funded then of course there's going to be fewer of us you know I think there's definitely I don't know it's a hard one so there was an amazing piece of research done by First Round um, who are a VC in the US so really great VC and they are fairly new and they did a report on their first 10 years and their returns on um, their fund in the first 10 years and they found that companies that had a woman in the founding team performed something like 63% better. So it's wow. like a huge amount. Yeah. So when you stack that and then put the less than one P in every pound, and obviously I'm taking stats and some from the UK, some from the US and such like, but the disparity between those for me just feels mind blowing. I don't know what it is. I don't think, I, I certainly have never felt anybody be knowingly biased against me. You know, I don't think anybody sets out not to fund women or yeah. sets out to, you know, they don't have the same respect for women or whatever. I just think it's kind of almost an unconscious bias mm-hmm. a lot of the time. I think 
people like people who are like them yeah. you know we have that kind of unconscious i think people especially you know investors generally have made their money in business and they have come through and investing in somebody who reminds you of you is like a really human thing and of course like that that would happen and there just aren't as many female investors so therefore that doesn't happen so i think there's a huge kind of multifaceted challenge and I definitely don't think there's any easy answers and it's a shame so I've had proper debates with pals who are like we don't need to be talking about this anymore like shut up and like this men and women you know just like stop talking about the challenge of female founder or whatever and I wish we didn't have to talk about it anymore and I wish there wasn't the challenge there but the challenge is still there Mm -hmm. and I think we shouldn't mistake our fatigue with talking about the challenges of that kind of disparity we shouldn't kind of confuse that with that the problem has been solved you know the stats don't lie (laughs) yeah stopping talking about it it's just putting your head in the sand it doesn't make it go away totally it's a real shame yeah i wish i didn't have to talk about it don't get me wrong i have been so lucky with this business i've been so well supported i've got amazing investors we've raised 1.5 million we've like we've got some amazing investors who really get what we're doing and who back us and bring a whole host of wisdom and kind of guidance as well as the money so i'm definitely not complaining from me it's sure. just a shame when you see the stats and and know that that isn't necessarily represented across the board well before we get into everything that you've kind of done these like events where you're kind of talking everything up and trying to bring more women to the entrepreneurial world what things have you faced yourself has there been moments where obviously you don't need to give names or anything but has there been (laughs) moments where you've thought to yourself like this is only happening because i'm a woman like is there things that have directly happened to you and you know it's because you're female Yeah. yeah probably yeah Yeah, I mean, I've definitely never had, like, you know, some of the horror stories that you hear in, you know, some of the Me Too movement has been, you know, set to a backdrop of... Yeah, I I didn't mean so much in that scale. I wasn't trying to get that personal as personal as I tried to get in this podcast. I just mean, in a business sense. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to say. So do you know what I would say? I think, yes, undoubtedly, there will have been things that have happened because I'm a woman. But they're definitely not all bad. You know, there are some things that some of the opportunities I get to speak at events and such like, you know, it's because the organiser is making an effort to be inclusive. And so therefore, I perhaps get an opportunity to speak where it could have been an equally qualified male founder, but there's just more male founders. So, you know, so there's definitely the benefits to it as well. You're more memorable because you're more of a kind of, you know... Stand out among the guys. Yeah, totally, totally. That's better than what I was going to say. I was going to say I was an oddity. (laughs) (laughs) That's the wrong word. I don't want to call myself an oddity. (laughs) Giving it its own stigma. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think you definitely have a different experience. Um, I don't don't want to focus too much on the negatives, but the reason I am just kind of like probing is because for anyone who's listening anyone who may have gone through a similar thing you know there'll be people who have gone through it and given up or been like this isn't for me I can't do this and I'm sure there has been moments you've obviously felt like stopping so how how do you get past it how have you got past it I think for me I use that to drive me I would say and I think so that's a really good point because I I think I'm always where I don't want to sit here with all of the benefits that we have had and the the kind of 
I don't want to complain too much about it because it's been like I have an amazing life and I have a brilliant business and yeah but when there have been times and there definitely have I always so a good example would be when I pitched at an event and I was advised that maybe if I had any male members in the team that I'd be well advised to bring them along with me to the pitch because I'd be pitching largely to a men a room of men and at the time I was like oh that's really annoying and it, it made me angry it didn't make me angry but it just yeah it annoyed me I kind of knew that in the early stages of a business you are keeping something alive that shouldn't exist and you know that the stats whether female or male founder early stage businesses just should die that you know it's overwhelmingly the stats um it was like okay so I can either be really annoyed by this or I can take the advice because actually it's probably meant very well meaningly and I'm sure it was you know it wasn't said to be threatening or to like yeah totally it was just like actually this is this is it this is what you'll be walking into so if you do and I was very lucky at the time it was very early on I was lucky I had an amazing mentor who was doing some pro bono work he was an FD who was on a sabbatical and was up for doing some pro bono work and helped me with setting up our first set of kind of projections and such like so Jim came along and stood behind me while I pitched and at the end he like said a couple of words you know in the the questions and whatever and he was just there for me and kind of we still see each other and we'll still kind of laugh about it and be like you know who's the guy who stood in um so you just take it and you and you make sure that you keep the business alive so I took it I was pragmatic about it I did what I needed to do yeah it pissed me off yeah it wasn't what you ideally want but that kind of thing has I think probably driven me to prove people wrong and and I do feel one of my investors once asked me did I feel a weight of being a female founder and having a bit of profile for being a female founder and like did I feel like I kind of had to be a success because I felt that that was part of what I carried with me kind of thing and maybe it is, but I think that's a real positive as well. You know, I think whatever you use to drive you, I think is a positive. And obviously don't let it get you to a point where, you know, we have to be very careful about our mental health as founders. It can be really lonely and it can be, you know, it's tough. You're running a business and you're like juggling lots of different things. But I think if you can take the things that kind of, that maybe don't go your way, but let that fuel a grit in you that kind of goes, right, okay. You know, and whether it's like, I'll prove them wrong or whether it's just, I want to know for myself that I gave it my all so that as much as anything, somebody's got to make those stats better, haven't they? (laughs) So yeah, I don't know. It's a funny one. And I talk a lot about women, but I think diversity actually is probably a better thing to talk about in tech. I was at an event recently and the guy speaking was a VC from the US and he said, so can everybody in the in the room who is a founder stand up? And so lots of us stood up. Mm. And then he said, can everybody who's a white man sit down? And everybody but myself and then a guy from India sat down. And so we were just like, hi, <laughs> you know, and it's just... It's just that is the face of, you know, that's the face of the sector, I guess, really. But that's a lot of people have an appetite to work towards changing that. And I think there is, there's, it's just a long road, I guess. 
well, I hope this VC was one of them. I hope the moment everyone else sat down and you and the yeah. main guy were there, he was like, right, I'm investing in you Well, two. honestly, he was brilliant. So then he, he was like, right, okay, so which one of you is coming up? And the guy was like, I'll come up, which I was so glad about because I'd had one of those days I was like, I don't want to go up on a stage. And so but he ended up like comparing the night and asking all of the questions. So he interviewed the VC for the night and he was like, ask me anything, anything you want to know, take questions from the floor. And so it was so good. It was such a nice kind yeah, of turning on its head. Um, so yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of appetite out there to change things. and But it is, yeah, it's really, really interesting. It's really interesting that despite all of the work that, that has happened, because there has been a lot of work, that just something's not shifting. And I find that really fascinating. And I hope it's something that changes. But I definitely don't have any answers, I don't think. Yeah, no, there's very slow uptake. I'm just yeah. frustrating a lot of people. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned is the loneliness. And it's funny all the previous interviews on the podcast, that's been mentioned <laughs> by everyone yeah. who's on the entrepreneurial journey. I think it is interesting. So I'm really lucky through Entrepreneurial Spark. A lot of my best friends are entrepreneurs because we went through a year together, myself and Callie from Malsey and who introduced us. Yeah. Um, Callie and I commuted for a year through to the incubator, which was in Glasgow. So I spent, and that was the year I got married, and I spent way more time with Callie that year than I did with my husband. Um, and so like some of my best friends are on this journey with me, so it definitely helps. You yeah. know, you can have conversations that are really supportive and are really detailed and they know what it what it's all about I'm also very uniquely lucky in that my husband is also um in a startup not appointed um but he is the um, chief operating officer of a company called Neatbox and they do um assistive technology for disabled people so they have apps that um that really help people with disabilities and challenges so he gets it as well so literally the chat around our like table is generally really boring if you're not in startups yeah. <laughs> um, but it's amazing because it means that I've got like I don't have that loneliness in at the end of the day you know that the book stops with you and you know that the decisions that you make are uh, reflect on the you know but we've got an amazing team here at Appointed so there's 19 of us now so the team is so talented and so passionate and they have removed so much of that that pressure on the kind of day-to-day you know it's so different now to when it was just me kind of thing um well that's an interesting development as well the journey of the entrepreneur startup founder going from being a one-person team to you know 18 people below you yeah and not below me side to side sorry you're right how, <laughs> how wrong of me to use that term in it's the 2019 <laughs> yeah the ground yeah totally it's true though <laughs> no no it's funny that's how most younger founders yeah. do think about yeah, it. Yeah, totally. So how has that development been? Because when I was preparing for this, you know, a lot of the articles were about your leadership skills and like the way yeah. you've developed as a leader. So obviously people have found that journey very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky. I think the team is amazing. So we are so lucky. Like they are so smart and so like I'm so lucky that such an amazing inspirational bunch of people have chosen to do this for more hours than um, they should be doing every week so yeah we we really care we really believe in what we're doing we believe we have 
the opportunity to build a world-class product and we we have done that and we are working with some of the world's most exciting companies and we're problem solvers that's in our dna it's in our values it's in our culture and we just love doing it and we're really like fired up about doing it so obviously people might not know it's what time is it like half seven or something at night so i think it's about half seven and you know we just took a break and the team are out there working away not everybody but it is people are passionate and they want to to work on this problem and solve mm-hmm. this challenge and it's really nice when people want to talk about my leadership skills I always feel a bit of a fraud for it because it's just like we have got an amazing team and they make it yeah really easy I, d- I don't feel like I have to be a leader we are properly in the trenches together and we're all bringing like we talk a lot at appointed about like our superpowers and what we bring and like we try and work in those places as much as we can you Mm -hmm. know so we do try and bring our our particular set of skills and quirks and weirdnesses and try and make them work for for the company and some yeah it's working yeah (laughs) I'm I'm really curious of your development over that time because normally people and you have your mentors obviously you've mentioned them but people have people above them day in day out who they can learn from executive levels have managers managers have the directors Did it just come naturally? The way you're describing it, it sounds like it came naturally. Everyone comes in with their own personalities. They're all in control of their bits. Yeah, I guess kind of. You know, I definitely don't feel like I've had any particular... So we've had people who haven't worked out, you know, for one reason or another. And we've always had a like a mindset of hiring really slowly and making sure that people are as much as we can kind of ensure are the right fit but when people aren't then we're not afraid to have those difficult conversations as quickly as possible and move people on you know as kindly and as you know with as much compassion and do it as well as you can but yeah we're not we know how hard it is to build a world-class company and we know one of my investors um, said something that was really the a light bulb moment or a watershed moment where he's like, if you've got somebody in a role who could be twice as good, they're in the place of somebody who is twice as good. It's like, yeah, we want to develop people and we absolutely do, but you need to believe that they're going to get there right. because they, you know, you need a team of superstars if you're going to, if you're going to play at the level that we want to play at, you need people to be able to play at that level so that doesn't mean that we have to go out and hire people you know we've got Sarah our COO came to us from Skyscanner she was one of the earlier employees at Skyscanner and she's amazing she is a total superstar and has done it before and you know brings so many pieces of wisdom that she doesn't even realize are like because she just by default she's been through a company like Skyscanner so she has those behaviors and that just is her natural way of doing things yeah. but literally it's it's been so amazing and the impact that she's had on the company but we've also had people come as interns who have then gone through to become like really key people in the team. We've had people who is their first proper job and they're just jaw dropping at what they do. And it's, yeah. yeah, so we look for a bit of magic and I think that that has really helped us to, to bring that diversity in. But yeah, I've been really lucky. I've got amazing mentors. I have a business coach who is brilliant and definitely plays that role for me from a point of view. I'm a board actually, so I would say coach, investors, board mentor you know I'm surrounded by people who 
in that more traditional hierarchy, as you say, where you've got managers and that sort of thing. I get that from people who are involved in the company in a less formal way or whatever. Um, Quite interested about the coach. So was this something you actively went looking for yourself? Was it recommended? Did it just come about? I was really lucky that Gareth Williams, who is the co-founder and now chairman of Skyscanner, is one of our investors. And he got in touch and said, I've worked with this coach. He's amazing. I've worked with him for for years I wonder if you might like to have a couple of sessions with him like you know kind of just you might find it helpful no pressure but if you want to I'm happy to set that up and yeah he's just brilliant and he I think yeah having gone through again seeing the the sky scanner kind of journey you know having been able to to kind of help key takeaways you can share that this guy's passed on (laughs) words of wisdom oh my gosh now do you know what the conversations are less around like pearls of wisdom like he really pushes me he really holds me accountable literally be thinking like oh my gosh I've got to go and see Richard tomorrow and I've not quite moved the dial on this as much as I wanted to or whatever so it's just really good to have somebody who he's really good at asking the right questions he pushes me um at times you know he'll really challenge me and yeah he doesn't let me away with anything he's he knows when to to really challenge on things but equally sometimes he knows when to be like do you know what like you need to chill out a bit (laughs) (laughs) we do push ourselves we're really ambitious and we're doing kind of big ballsy things so yeah he's sometimes like do you know what you need to chill out like take a step back you don't need to do things quite so quick he's just is less about that I guess traditional advice as such more around unlocking what I think is the best route for us helps you find your own way yeah totally totally um which is amazing and he also works with a couple of the others in the team as well so like I find that really helpful because you get a bit of a joined up we'll then talk about things and you know talk about things that we've talked about with Richard and so yeah it's a really positive and then I have the same kind of thing with my board my board is very collaborative and very yeah we're really lucky to have a really good honest and, and kind of open relationship nice you've got a good community so one last thing on the professional side of things Big congratulations on winning, was it NatWest Entrepreneur yes. of the Year last yes, year? Yes, indeed. Um, Nationally yeah. across the whole of the United Kingdom. Yeah. That's yeah. excellent. How Small was that? Small business entrepreneur Small of the business. year, I should say, yes. Um, caveat. 50 employees or less. Yes. Still a great yeah, thing to amazing, win. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Totally. So it was amazing. Total surprise. And... I didn't get to go and take my award because my daughter was sick. And so I didn't think I'd win. And my daughter was sick and I was like, I just need to stay home. And my colleague Ashley, I was like, do you fancy going down to London? Like the hotel's booked, the train's booked, all of this. Like, don't worry, we won't win. You'll just go and have a great night. Well, normally, (laughs) not, not to sell out awards, if you've won and you say, I can't come, they tell you you've won. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was really down. last minute. Oh, right, it was okay. really the day. So my daughter ended up really sick and it was just one of those unavoidable. And I think they were like, do you know what? She's not coming, so fine. And I was like, you know, my colleagues 
ready to step in and all of that. So yeah, Ashley went down and took lots of selfies with glasses of champagne and all of that kind <laughs> and, of stuff. And your trophy. And my trophy. Nice, yeah. So then I took a selfie of me and my sick daughter and <laughs> posted it on Facebook, on Twitter. Like, and it's just like this, my poor little daughter is all like, yeah, puffy. And <laughs> so I was like, okay, we'll celebrate like literally in the dark, trying to get her to sleep. It's an amazing thing to win. And we got to celebrate and lots. So it's all good. I mean, it's great it must have felt after everything we spoke about earlier as well like such an achievement to be recognized for the work it's like you said all the sort of doubt has pushed you to just keep going and going and then you get given this yeah totally I mean it is it's amazing and I think awards are always is you know it's such a nice thing to have that recognition of course I know it's a bit of a cliche but I do think but for us, it's way more exciting when we win an amazing new client, I would say, or, you know, like, because that's the stage we're at where it's like, we're really, we are excited about the problems we can solve mm-hmm. and the the opportunities that we have and such like. So yeah, the awards are amazing, but at the moment we're super focused on kind of the problems that we have to solve and the challenges and yeah. yeah. Well, things like that, I guess, I'd imagine they bring in more clients. It yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great publicity for sure. Um, and it is really nice. I mean, you know, some of the, the awards, especially some of the more te- technical ones. So we won a couple of the IP100 awards last year around kind of the real technical IP in the software. And okay. I think I was probably more proud of those really because it's like, it's that recognition of what you've built. One of them was the best critical database. <laughs> it's like, I know it doesn't sound as sexy, but you're like, that's amazing. A real testament to the product that the teams are, are building yeah. and that, you know, that we're all working so hard to do. And yeah, it's so, yeah, no, awards are always nice. And you're right. They do bring, they raise the profile in a way that, sure. that yeah. Somebody else saying that you're good is always better than you saying yeah. you're good. <laughs> and everyone kind of understands what an entrepreneur of the year is and not so much what the database <laughs> of the year is. The critical database. You're appealing to two different audiences there, which is Very great. Bring them audiences. together and totally. you're getting a lot of business. <laughs> True. So we'll kind of segue now, as you mentioned your daughter. You're a mother, I an am. entrepreneur, yeah. a boss, a teammate, a leader. <laughs> you're balancing a lot of things together yeah. and your daughter just turned two you mentioned yes yes so my daughter was two in july and so she's like at that crazy age where she's running around and chatting and yeah she's great fun how are you finding balancing it all because in one of the articles you i don't want to word it incorrectly but you were talking about how you have to make decisions as an entrepreneur and a mother and it's about making them work for you yeah what did you mean by that um, oh, I don't know. I say all sorts of things. <laughs> um, well, well, so how do you, how do you, how, how I mean, do you work tough. it? Yeah. So I would say I am so lucky because I have a very full life and I love both sides of it. It is full on being a mum and a, an entrepreneur, but it's amazing. And it's so, it's such a good balance. Actually, I think before I had my daughter, I was so, so focused on the business to, you know, probably to the detriment of, of the majority of other things. Mm-hmm. Having my daughter really puts that in, into perspective, you mm-hmm. know, and, and makes you make decisions. Yeah, so maybe that was, maybe that's what I was talking about. 
because you don't want to you know your child is always going to be the most important thing to you but at the same time as lots of people say the company was my first baby yeah you're doing everything to kind of juggle those two often competing draws on your time but no it's amazing and just the like it's so good you can have had the toughest day things haven't gone your way or you've been wrangling with something or whatever and I'll go home and my daughter's there and she just doesn't see any of it and she's just like so happy to see you and she's like trying to tell you about her day and kind of you know she's blabbling away and it's just amazing it's just like it's such a good it puts things into perspective like it's like oh do you know what like yeah everything is you can nothing's insurmountable and you know um so yeah I I love it and I'm very lucky to have the support of the team and of my husband and so my husband and I did parental leave I couldn't remember the word then. well that's something you're um, fighting for as well isn't it across... well just I, I just I feel really passionately about it I don't know kind of like I think it's actually great and a lot of companies are, are really sensible about it um but yeah I just know it was so good for us so being able to take the time that we wanted to take and to share that between us and have and do you know what it was so amazing for my husband as well so it's not just about like allowing women to go back to work it's about allowing men to have that really special time with their child as well you know and kind of respecting that relationship and allowing that to to really blossom and flourish and and that like it's such an important time I think or or we think so yeah I think like I've been so lucky and honestly like Hedy is in the office so much <laughs> like yeah. she'll come in you know so we do on a Friday um we do show and tell at, on um a Friday night where we'll have some beers and we all like talk about what we've been up to and you know if anybody's got anything that they want to show so like new product demonstrations or you know we'll talk about a new client or whatever and so it's like down tools at half past four and the team are in the boardroom kind of chilling out and and talking about work and sharing kind of just our weeks and so quite often like Hedy will like come in at that point you know and we'll have her around and is she show and tell every friday <laughs> she is well i announced her to the team in show and tell and so nice. I, they i put my scam picture up on um the tv in show and tell and that's how they they um found out what i was working on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so nice like our coo has a daughter who is um roughly the same age our head of business development is is going to be having a baby and there's right. like there's just so much kind of excitement around it's a bit of a cliche but we definitely have a work-life integration <laughs> rather than a work-life that's balance. how it should be us yeah totally I think so I think we're really lucky to have that kind of you know Hedy loves it when she comes into the office like she gets really annoyed if like if my husband walks me to the office and then is taking her somewhere she gets really upset because she knows if she gets to come into the office that she's center of attention and everybody wants to hold her and everyone wants to play with her and give her high fives and you know it's so nice for her to feel like she has that Mm -hmm. extended family I would say. How are you finding the balance now? It's amazing I mean it is so full-on it really is and there's no denying that but I do think it would be so full-on Either way, you know, I think having a child is so full on, running a business is so full on. So doing the two of them, like almost 
just piling on more crazy aren't you it's really good and I love it I feel so lucky to have both sides and yeah she's amazing she's so much fun have you got any advice you'd say for people who are maybe struggling to balance both sides of their life so one of my friends said really early if you make it out of the house and you have coffee that's a win and I was like and she said it before I gave birth and I was like oh Haha, <laughs> how funny. And then in the early days, I was like, oh my God, she's right. Like literally some days that is all you can do. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I'm going to take that as a win. And I think it is like just from a wider sense, it's just being kind to yourself and just kind of not setting an unrealistic expectation for mm-hmm. yourself or not setting a bar so high that you're going to always struggle to meet it. You have to kind of just be, be kind, I guess, because it is tough. It is, you know, and it's emotional. And I think especially like in the early days when there's this new tiny human and you, you know, you've just gone through pregnancy, birth, all of that sort of stuff. It is. Yeah, it's brutal. But I love it. It's worth it for sure. Um, But yeah, just not not being too. Yeah, not beating yourself up if you look like shit and you've got baby puke on you. Yeah. <laughs> It's fine. (laughs) Am I defining it correctly? If she's saying, if you just get and have a coffee, that's a win. Was that basically like, just take every little inch? Yeah, totally. Like, don't feel like you have to, I think especially in the early days, you've got this new little person and you want to be out and, you know, and everybody wants you to be as well. You know, everybody's like, oh, when am I going to get to see the baby? And yada, yada, yada. And it's like, actually... You just need to let yourself have some time and get used to it all. And yeah. if all you can do is get out of the house and have a coffee and you have a 10 minute walk and then you walk back, it's like, well, you've achieved something and that's fine. You know, so I think it is. It's whatever that means to you and just being kind to yourself. And it's so hard. I, I do think I'm really lucky. Like Hedy is amazing. And, you know, she's she's still not a great sleeper so that's a challenge and and you know you're doing long hours and then in the night and stuff but I don't know I feel really lucky that I just I really enjoy it great so I'll finish off with a couple of questions as I've had so many male entrepreneurs in the show what would you say to any wannabe female entrepreneurs listening the challenges don't stop I think so like it's not about like where we were five six years ago or where we you know where we are now or any of that it's like if you're running a business and you're doing ambitious things and you know generally especially in the startup side you're trying to do something even if you've got tons of competitors nobody will have done it exactly as you have and with your certain set of skills and your certain way of of looking at it or approaching that challenge so it is yes maybe very similar to like the the parenthood advice of like don't be too harsh on yourself I think one of the things I've realized as time goes on is we are tough on ourselves I think you know as whether it's, you know, as entrepreneurs or whether it's as British people or whatever, you know, but I think we are, we set high high standards for ourselves and we aim high and we can sometimes be, I think one of the things I talk a lot to people about and I've heard talked about a lot recently is like the imposter syndrome and, you know, always feeling like you're not doing 
well enough or you're gonna get found out or you know you and it's, here. Yeah, yeah totally and I find it so fascinating because I think literally I've not spoken to anybody who's been like oh no I don't have that you know I yeah. know I'm meant to be here and I know that I'm doing exactly the right thing and I think that's so interesting and I think what my advice would be it's not about like mitigating it because I don't know quite you know I don't feel I can give advice to people on what what they should be doing to to be doing things better but what I do think will help us all is being more open and more vulnerable with each other and being more honest and talking about our real feelings instead of instead of kind of putting on a facade of oh everything's fine and I'm killing it you know we're smashing it at the moment yada 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 and it's like there are some days when you will be and it'll be amazing and you'll that's amazing to be going out and doing that but also when you're not feeling like that try and you know within reason you you don't want to be too you know nobody wants to be like vulnerable all of the time but I think it's important that founder to founder or you know in your friendship groups or whatever you know whatever that looks like ask for help and be vulnerable and be authentic and true to yourself and I think that that's so powerful and people I think not only do you get help from others for you but you help others by doing that because I think it helps people to know not everyone you know like in and I know it's a a cliche but you look at social media you look at Instagram and everyone's having an amazing day it's like in real life that isn't generally the case you know so I think us talking and being a bit more honest like that can only be a good thing so yeah no kind of I don't have any tips for success or whatever but I think if we all just start being a bit more honest and talking to each other and looking out for each other a bit more and encouraging each other to have more more honest conversations that can only be a good thing i love that right leah as the cleaners chucking us out <laughs> thank you very much for your time thank you for doing the late shift with me i think we must be up to nine o'clock or something oh my god <laughs> so no that amazing was thank, thank you. you so much thanks johnny guys and that was it really different right some of the sort of issues that not everybody has to face And I just found it fascinating. And I don't know about you, but it made me a lot more empathetic to the whole struggle of female founders. If you liked it, as I said at the start, please subscribe, please leave a review, please follow the Instagram page, please share on your Instagram story so that your friends can see it and they can get an idea about it. And apart from that, we'll have a new episode next week and it will definitely be next week because we're obviously coming up to Christmas time and there is going to be a two week break then anyway. There's quite a few more episodes and entrepreneurs I want to get in front of you guys. Till then, thank you so much and I will catch you next time.